This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on where in the world you are tuning in from. Uh, I'm really pleased to have uh, David Samuel, uh, who is coach of Liam Brady, who is uh, just below me, a little bit like Manchester City, just below Arsenal in the table. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) Liam, let's talk about that for 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, what, what are you doing coming on here when you've got a match in two or three hours, which I'm sure has taken up most of your time? Was it affecting like, you on the court today are, as well? Are you, are you an Arsenal fan? No. No, oh, worse, yeah. Liam. Worse, worse. Oh, right. Okay, no. Um, well, we've got a few hours now, haven't we? I mean, it's 5pm here. The game starts at about midnight, which is an absolute nightmare, to be honest. That's, we decided I'm going to have a day off tomorrow because I've not had a day off since, obviously, uh, last week in Lithuania. Um, so this way I get to watch the first half of the game at least. Uh, but I'm, I'm absolutely knackered now, so we'll see how I feel in, in a couple hours' time anyway. We've lost David. I think he's disinterested in talk about yeah. Arsenal Man City. But if, as soon as he comes back, I'll bring him back in. Um, just quickly, what's your thought? Are you going to win? I think we... I, don't, I can't remember if we're away or at home. I, I think away. we're going to draw, draw one of the two and I think we're going to win one of the two. All right. I've seen you. I've seen you appear, I think, on MCFC TV. Is that right in the past? Yeah. Yeah. OK, cool. All right. Well, lots, lot, lots to look forward to. It may end up being yeah. a title decider. It may not. But listen, talking of title deciders, do you like that segue, Liam? Uh, yeah. You had a title decider of your own last Sunday. Yeah. Uh, tell us. Actually, before we get into last week. I want to speak about your year because yeah. if you don't mind me saying, Liam, it's not been the best of years until last week. Um, that's why I've muted. I've muted. <laughs> um, until last week, Liam, it wasn't the best of weeks. We had yeah. Australia, of course. Tell us about Canberra and then, of course, the qualifying. Yeah. yeah. So um, I went to Canberra, which was, uh, as usual before in the run-up to a slam, uh, was a very strong challenger. Um, I was in the qualifying despite being ranked about 170 at the time, I think, uh, and played a couple guys uh, within the top 250 in the first and second round of qualies and then played a couple guys around 120 in the main draw before going down to a guy called Leandro Reedy um, in the quarterfinals, who's red hot at the moment. He's, uh, mm-hmm. I think, a prospect for the future. So Canberra went well. 
um, and then went to Melbourne and lost in the first round of qualifying to, I think he was number four seed in qualifying, Emilio Gomez. I lost 7-6 yeah. in the third, 10-7 in the third set breaker, uh, which was... It was it was tough because obviously it was a close match against a good player. But having qualified last year, I had quite a few points coming off uh, due to that. So it, it, it was a bit of a strange one, having won four or five matches in Canberra to then losing first round of qualities in Melbourne going home. I felt really deflated after that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, well aware of your results. I mean, David and I were chatting every sort of second day while you were in Australia, and it's such a long way to go. And also, as you said, we all know that you were in the first round last year because even the casual observer who's tuning into Netflix uh, yeah. saw you there. Uh, ha have you seen that episode? And how do you feel about that, by the way? Um, yeah, I, I watched I watched the whole series with my family at home. I watched the first episode. I was quite happy with the with the part that I played in it. Um, but I, I don't know. I find it really weird watching myself on on a TV screen. I don't know if you find it watching back the videos from your, from your podcast and stuff. I'm used to it now, but in the, yeah. at the beginning, yes. I found it really weird and disconcerting. I didn't enjoy that part, but I was obviously proud to have been on the show at least. Liam, do you watch some of your matches after they've happened? Do you, Pretty you much know, everyone. And, and, and how does that feel by the way? I, I love it. I love watching it back. Um, because I find for, for myself as a player, I find the way things feel on the court can differ greatly to actually what it is on the court. So I find it really useful to watch matches back. I actually really very much prefer watching matches back that, that I've won um, because I like to have that positive reinforcement of, yeah, that's the way to play. That's the way to play. We've, we've jumped around a few topics. We've talked about Australia and Canberra and, and obviously the qualifying's there, but that wasn't the end of your disappointing start to the season, if you don't mind me. Liam, I'm talking about your expectations. I yeah, went to Koblenz uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, and uh, I had a nice chat with David there. But, of course, the results didn't go great there either, did they? No. So, well, I had a good first round against uh, a guy called Robin Harser. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that a lot of people know that he was a very good player in his time. He's uh, about 240 now. I managed to... Squeaked through against Robin. I served for the first set, got broken serving for the first, won the first on a breaker and then kind of ran away with it a bit in the second. And then I came up against a guy called Alexei Vatutin, who's a very tricky Davidenko-esque Russian player, uh, ranked around 300. But I think he's been been a, a fair bit higher. Um, and I mean, he, he, he played well, I've, I've got to admit, but I mean, I, I'll... I felt like it was probably one of my worst performances of the last few years, to be honest. Um, and then that was kind of compounded by a doubles performance to match a few hours later. Um, so it was, it was, it, it was an odd, it was a, it's an odd looking back because that evening I was kind of sat in the hotel on my own and I, and I'm very aware I had like 150 points to drop off my ranking over the next month or two. Um, and I was sat in the hotel, obviously having played so terribly. And I was thinking, I'm not sure if I drop back down the rankings again, if I'm going to be at the age of 29, if I'm going to have the energy to be able to push myself back up there, um, you know, which was quite a, a harrowing conversation to have with myself because I've never really thought that way before. But it takes a lot of energy to, you know, to drag yourself back up the rankings. And then obviously a week later, I, I won the biggest title of my career so that's that's always yeah. a nice response 
Liam, that's really interesting how, obviously, you know, you had a sticky time in, in Australia. You had a good result against Haas in, in, in Koblenz, but then you have that day, and I was there in Koblenz, at least for your singles match, uh, where, where I saw you, you know, you, you lost that match. And then, of course, you had the doubles as well. And, and it's funny that you say that you had that conversation with yourself um, saying, you know, I don't know, do I have the energy at, at this age to pick myself up again? And where did you summon the energy, therefore, and the confidence, yeah, if you like? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how did you feel when you arrived in Vilnius? To, to be honest, if I look back over the course of my career, quite often my my worst moments have preceded. Yeah, immediately. Have, have come before, like immediately before some of my best results or my best runs um, at tournaments. And I think it's sometimes just because, I don't know whether it's a desperation or a kind of, you know, it's not going to get any worse it can only go one way and then, you know, so let's really, and I'm a big believer of, you know, it doesn't, you, you can't be mentally tough until you have to respond to something that doesn't go your way. So I think you kind of have to see some these opportunities, these setbacks sometimes as opportunities. So mm -hmm. the Vatutin match for me kind of felt like, yeah, this is, this is the, the worst I've felt for years, but how am I going to respond to this? Am I going to just, you know, take it, lying down or am I going to get up and, and try and fix it um, and actually the, the next day we went out and did a couple of hours and had a really good session which was just a complete contrast to what had happened in the match the day it was it was actually kind of funny I mean at the end of that practice session the day after I was like I, I think we actually said let's go and win let's go and win Vilnius um, which was which was quite funny at the time to be saying that, but I, I was feeling well enough where I thought actually maybe that is a possibility, um, and then okay. obviously got to got to Vilnius, Vilnius and felt great uh, in the conditions, and then just progressed match after match. David, let's uh, see if we can just bring you in for a second here. Um, uh, you're sat there below and you're listening to everything that's being said. Um, David, what were your thoughts? I mean, I, I remember speaking to you, I think, in a WhatsApp, like, what's, what's your plans? When are you going to go to Vilnius? And you said, oh, we're on the practice court today in, um, in, uh, in Koblenz, like after that pretty difficult day, obviously losing in the doubles quite painfully as well as the singles. And I was like, David, oh, wow, you're back on the, on the practice court in Koblenz as well. What was, was that? Do you think that was an important day? Do you think, tell me about the period between Koblenz and Vilnius. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a strong believer that the best way to kind of get over uh, a hangover is to go for a run. So the best way to get over a bad match is actually just to get back on court and start playing again. Uh, we did have a good conversation, though, before we had that practice. And I um, mean, I was absolutely delighted in, in how Liam responded to the conversation and, and came out there uh yeah i mean really in i'd say one of our better practices ever uh and then from then on as soon as we arrived in vilnius i i kind of knew after the first practice in vilnius that the tournament was on because he was just so sharp uh uh on the ball and uh you know obviously winning a tournament is really really difficult but it's really nice to go into a tournament believing that you know that there's a really good shot of of, of, of winning it and uh and then but i think nothing kind of can prepare you or didn't you know i i, I felt 
you know, okay, he won his first round against a tricky opponent, Mats Morang, you know, was it three, one and three, you know, and so, okay, that's great. And then he goes on and wins, you know, three and one against Emer, uh, and, and, and it just kind of rolls from there where he's not just winning, but beating players. I, I will say this comfortably in score, but there's so much energy and focus and, and taking care of business in order to get that score. And, you know, Liam and I have spoken before where I say, you know, when, when you see a Roger Federer win really, really easily, uh, trust me, there's so much work going in there to make it look easy. And, and I think certainly last week was not only his biggest win, but I mean, he came close to breaking the record for the least games lost in a, in a, in a challenger win. And uh, that, that is another level of, of, of focus and application that, that I've obviously never seen from Liam before. And, and that's, that means there's been a step forward uh, right after a really poor performance. So it, it, it was a great week in many respects. Liam, you are in Dubai right now, I believe. Um, tell us about your schedule for the next few weeks. Yeah, so uh, we obviously played the final in Vilnius on Sunday and 4am the next morning we were leaving the hotel. Uh, you know, classic tennis life. We flew to Poland and then straight to Dubai. We arrived into Dubai, probably into the hotel about 6pm. Got a good night's sleep. We were on the practice court with Andy the next day. So hit with Andy on the Tuesday and then today's Wednesday. We hit with a, a good junior player here. Um, and then tomorrow afternoon, we fly to Doha. We're going to sign in for Doha qualies. We're not sure if we're going to get in. Fingers crossed we do. The cut's dropped a little bit, but we'll have to see. Um, and that'll be on Saturday. Hopefully, you know, keep pick up where we left off from Vilnius and see what we can do. And then after that, I've got, it's a little bit uh, chaotic. I'm going to go to Pune in India for a challenger. Okay. And then the week after that, I'm going to go to Lugano. Lugano. Mm -hmm. um, and then after Lugano, there's a week's gap. And then Biel in Switzerland. And then we're pretty much straight onto the clay. Wow, you are flying everywhere. But what about any North American swing thoughts, options? or? We were thinking about it this year. Um but obviously, especially after Coblenz as well, we kind of had the discussion where, you know, this year maybe it'd be better to play a few challenges and get a few matches. Uh, oh, and then and then Vilnius happened and we were like, oh, oh no, I was going to swear that. Oh, no, we, we're going to get in Miami. Is it worth going to Miami for one tournament? Uh, but that, that's the last minute nature of, of the tennis tour when you're, you know, at this sort of ranking between 100 and 200 and... We kind of took an executive decision and decided, you know, maybe it's better to play a couple more challenges and hopefully get close enough to, you know, main draw of slams within a few months and and uh, and push on from there. But you are certainly flying all over with with India on the horizon, then coming back to Europe, and then how, Liam, how do you feel about the clay? I mean, most casual tennis observers will be aware of, you know, making the first round uh, in Australia a year or so ago, where you played Kyrgios, of course, and beating Schwartzman en route to the third round at Wimbledon. Um, but how are you on, on the clay? How do you feel there? I actually uh, was speaking to someone today about that. I, I, I said it, it's funny because I always saw the clay as my worst surface, but 
the French Open was the first slam that I qualified mm -hmm. for, um, which kind of reopened my eyes to it. And, you know, I had a few good wins on the clay in the run-up to the qualifying. And then obviously played some tough... I mean, I played Botic, Van der Zanschloop in the qualies there. You know, it was, it was there were some good matches. And I think the way that I've been playing this past week or two, I've been, I've been getting a hell of a lot of shape and spin on my forehand. And, you know... <laughs> It, we already know that lefties with good shape on the forehand can do well on the clay. So, uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about the clay this year. I, f I feel better than last year, that's for sure. Liam, I know you know your time is 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 precious, especially with the big game coming up tonight. Um, but I do have a couple more questions, and they're generic ones actually. Now, would you rather, Liam? Uh, and I don't know if, if, if David will have the same answer to this question, but would you rather going into a slam? Let's say you make the first round whether it be at the French or, or, or elsewhere, would you rather have, uh, would you rather play Rafa Nadal or Novak Djokovic or somebody that would be arguably, Liam, if you don't mind me saying, more beatable? Which of, of those two, it's it's the Thursday before slam, you've unbelievably, let's say it's Philip, Philip Chatteret, for example. You... I'd, 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 I, I mean, I, I don't even need to think, I'd rather play someone who's more beatable. I, I think... Okay. I think anyone that's played somebody of that level knows that it's not very enjoyable and you'd prefer to play them in the second or third round than the first round. Yeah, got it. So you would you would you <laughs> so you'd probably be okay with seeing sort of Rafa looming in rounds 2 or 3 potentially. I mean, if I if I could play Rafa in the final that would be the best option. <laughs> uh, the, the the later into the tournament I could play them the better really. I mean, I played Andy first round of Wimbledon in 2016 which was the year he finished number one. Yeah. Um, and I was defending 45 points, so I wasn't very happy with it then either. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but Liam, as far as I'm aware, you've never played Novak or Rafa, right? I never have. Hopefully never will. <laughs> really? Is that how you feel? I've practiced with them both. I don't need to, I don't need to play them in a match. Hope, okay. hope, hope maybe I'll play them in a match when I'm, when I'm feeling confident and on a, on a wave of momentum and, and catch them cold somewhere. You know, what about a 38-year-old Rafa with one knee and one, one arm on, on centre court, take, maybe? Take his left arm off him and then we'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Final question, Liam. Do you have any um, superstitions, you know, pre-match or even pre-tournament or just in general? Yeah, I have a lot. I mean, some of them are just kind of habits, some are superstitions. I mean, on the court, not many, I'm not sure many people, Dave might not even know, but I don't, I don't step on lines on the court. Um, ah, as a kid, I used to do the same. Yeah, so I, I mean, obviously being raised on the step on a crack, break your mum's back. Okay. I, on pavement, you know, I, I remember years ago, I was on a date and a girl said, what are you doing? You know, walking down the road in, in England, she said, you're, you're avoiding yeah. the cracks, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I am. And she said, if you keep doing that, you're never going to get a girlfriend. <laughs> How did that date turn out? <laughs> Not very well. Um <laughs> So, I mean, I was obviously staggering my steps so much that even she noticed. And I, but I do that on the tennis court around the lines. Okay. Um, so I'd say that's probably my biggest one. I think, I mean, sometimes I get superstitious thoughts in my head. So like before the finals last week, I'd run out of my white and black kit that I'd worn for the whole week. Yeah. Um, so I had to change to another kit. And obviously, again, it's kind of a superstition, kind of just want to keep the winning formula the same, which I guess is kind of a, a habit as well, right? Um, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to make a difference? And and I kind of shooed it away in my head. I thought, well, you don't have a choice. Just you know, get over it and get on with it. And obviously, that is a superstition. But uh, I also do mindfulness before every match. But that's again, why I'm, you didn't break the record. 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but but I also do mindfulness before every match, which I'm not sure is as much a superstition as it is, you know, a routine to go through before a match. When you say mindfulness, what do you mean, Liam? Um, so I have like an app called the called Calm, um, okay. which basically 15 minutes a day before a match, I'll just go through like a bit of like a meditation sort of thing, deep okay. breathing, bit of visualization and. If I don't do that, I don't really tend to feel right on the court. I don't I don't really do it before practice, but for a match, I kind of feel like I need to do that. All right, Liam, listen, uh, we've had 20 minutes of your time, and I'm really appreciative of that. Hopefully, um, David is, is going to stay on for a couple more minutes, and we can just have a, a sort of end chat. But, Liam, listen, you can sail off into the Dubai sunset and um, maybe enjoy this evening's game, especially as you've got a day off tomorrow. Thanks, coach, for giving him a day off tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Liam. You can uh, just leave or you can hang on, but it doesn't really matter. But thanks Thanks very much, much, Liam. See you later, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.